Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. While you're finding your place, let's join together in prayer and ask God to bless us. Lord, we just thank you so much for your great goodness and we praise you for the great joy that we have of coming together as the people of God. Lord, Father, we praise you and love you. We want to rejoice in you. Lord, bless us as we come together. Lord, may our hearts be in tune with your spirit. May we hear your voice. May we seek out your direction and guidance in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to, uh, as I said, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. It's an amazing thing when you begin to ask people their opinion about certain aspects of their life. And when people are polled, and, and this is a... Uh, highly political time, and uh, within uh, about 120 days, uh, our nation is going to go to the polls and make a decision about uh, uh, who will be president for the next four years, and uh, there'll be uh, many other important races that are going on. And uh, between now and then, there'll be a, a, a flood of polls that will be shared on a weekly and sometimes a daily basis. There'll be some new poll that will come out and tell tell you what the people of America think at this time. And what people need to remember and and realize whenever a poll is taken, whenever a survey is taken, uh, it's like uh, everybody's got a phone that uh, at least most people have a phone that you can take a picture with. And it's like taking a snapshot of America at the time when the poll is taken. And uh, not too long ago, a a poll of of the United States was taken about some spiritual matters and um, when uh, uh, people were asked about uh, how many people go to church and uh, what they thought of, of religion and things like that, uh, there were a wide variety of responses that were given. But by and far, uh, and, and here's, here's another aspect of it, uh, our our nation has always been known as a Christian nation, and uh, our the numbers of people who align themselves as Christian has uh, always varied from time to time. Uh, for many years, our nation was uh, so much aligned with being a Christian nation that uh, a wide majority of the American populace was known as Christian. Uh, there, there's always been others of other faith. Uh, in fact, uh, I was listening to a historian the other day, and and our nation had, uh, even from our very founding, had people of the Muslim faith living here in the United States. This is not uh, having people who are uh, of other uh, faiths in the United States is nothing new. It's it's always been a, an aspect or a characteristic of our nation that we welcome all to to share uh, and uh, the, to have the freedom. 
to worship God in whatever way and manner you choose. Uh, it, it is not constitutional to dictate what religion you are within the United States, but it is constitutional that all of us have the right and the freedom to worship God in the manner in which we choose. And uh, although uh, the numbers of people who claim to be a Christian are uh, have been declining in recent years, one, of, one aspect of that survey that I always thought that was so intriguing was is that even though the number of people are going down in, in terms of numbers of people who uh, consider themselves to be Christian, it seems almost universal, almost uh, to a T, that uh, over 90% of the American population believes in a heaven and hell and believes that they are going to heaven. Now, they might not call themselves a Christian, but if you uh, ask them all these questions about uh, who Jesus Christ is or ask them a question about whether or not they are uh, consider themselves a Christian, they might give you all kinds of different answers. But when it comes down to when you die, do you feel like you're going to go to heaven? Almost Over 90% of the American population believe in heaven and they believe they're going there. That's a wide disparity between those who consider themselves to be Christian and those who uh, consider uh, the fact that they are going to heaven. Uh, in fact, George Barna said, uh, did a survey, and according to his re- research, 98% of Americans believe that they're going to heaven. Uh, and only 2%, 2 out of 100, uh, do not believe in a heaven and hell. Uh, our passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning deals with that aspect of heaven and hell. And it comes at the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Sermon on the Mount, uh, many people believe, uh, is uh, basically is just the Beatitudes that are found uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and uh, contained only a few verses. But the Sermon on the Mount goes quite uh, for quite some time. And it is concluded here in Matthew chapter 7. And uh, towards the end of this chapter, uh, Jesus is, is coming to the very end of His conclusion. Now, what Jesus has done on the, with the Sermon on the Mount <coughs> is, excuse me, is that He's taken all of His teachings that He's uh, trying to emphasize and trying to instill within the life of His disciples, those who follow after Him. He's tried to instill those down into uh, uh, a teaching that He was able to give within a couple of uh, hours' time and that He was able to uh, accumulate all together. Imagine the daunting task of being asked by someone, uh, sum up everything that you believe and bring it down into a short passage of, of, uh, uh, that you can share with everybody. Uh, for a lot of us, it would be hard for us to do. And here's the, here is Jesus Christ, the, the Word in flesh, and He's challenged himself to to bring all of his teachings, all the things that he feels that are important for his disciples to to boil all that down and to and to put it into a few words that basically fill a couple of chapters in the scripture. That's a daunting task. Although Jesus did it on several occasions, uh, but what you have to understand was the greater 
task for Jesus was not just the summation of uh, His teaching. Because Jesus said, uh, you boil everything down, it can be boiled down into two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. He said all of that, all of the, the law, everything else hinges on those two things. If you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything that is in you, do everything in your power to love God. And then uh, secondly, use that love of God and express it to someone else. Express it to your neighbor. Show that love to others. Uh, That is the summation of all the things that Jesus taught, but here's the challenge that was even greater with the Sermon on the Mount, and that was that, okay, how do I impart all that knowledge that will help these individuals to carry that message throughout their lifetime, and how do they take that message and incorporate it into their life. And so Jesus is some, uh, coming to the very end of the Sermon on the Mount and He uh, brings His teaching to a conclusion beginning in verse 13. He says, Enter you into the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be with uh, which go therein. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. And do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And every tree that bringeth uh, not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his home on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So we come to the end of this teaching and Jesus is trying to sum up everything that He has been saying and He's laying out before them, there is a great and monumental choice that you must make. 
And you see, there, there is a great choice for all of us because Jesus said that uh, great is the gate and broad is the path, wide and open is the way that leads to destruction. And Jesus is not saying this just simply to say, hey, you need to worry, uh, you need to watch out. There's two ways to go and there's a big, broad, open gate and that leads to destruction and there's a small, narrow gate that leads to, to eternal life. He's not just trying to help us to find the right gate. What He's trying to help us to understand is, is that as broad as the way and broad as the gate because there's a lot of people that are going that way. There's a, a large number of people that are headed in the wrong direction. And, and I feel like in, in our world today with so many people who denounce Jesus Christ, denounce the love of God, denounce Christianity, denounce following after Christ and following after God in their life, and yet still believe that they're good people, still believe that they're honest, uh, hard-working people, and they're going to wind up in heaven. There's a lot of people headed the wrong way. And in my opinion, there's a lot of people that, that are finding themselves... Uh, simply to have, have uh, uh, swallowed hook, line, and sinker this, this philosophy of, hey, I'm just a good person. I go to work every day. I work hard. I, I clock off uh, at the, in the evening and I go home. I eat supper. I, I don't go out and, and do all kinds of mayhem. I don't go out and destroy things. I don't go out and, and, and hurt people. I'm a good person. I pay my taxes. I follow along with what I'm supposed to do and, and, and I live a, a, a good life. I don't go out and rob banks. I don't go, up, uh, go out and stick up gas stations and convenience stores. I don't go around uh, saying bad things about people. I'm going to heaven because I'm a, basically a good guy. I'm basically a, a good person. Uh, our American people, the, the people of our nation, the people of our world have bought into this lie that is a lie from Satan that if you're just simply a good enough person, if you're just simply a, a decent Joe, if you're a, a, a somebody that happens to be a, a nice, quiet person that, you're, that God's going to look at you when the, the last day comes and... He's going to say, hey, you know, you really hadn't done that much bad. Hey, come on in here. We're going to accept you just the way you are. Unfortunately, that's how God accepts you when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life. That's not how God judges you at the end of your life. And God, uh, Jesus is saying, listen, there's a lot of people that are, uh, that are on their way to heaven they're on the way to judgment. They're on their way to that final judgment. And that's exactly what Jesus is portraying here. The final judgment. He's saying, look, there's going to be a lot of people that are, that are going down this pathway of simply saying, hey, I'm a good, good enough person. I'm going to wind up in heaven. This phenomenon that we are experiencing today is nothing new. Jesus was dealing with a large group, a large block of individuals, His countrymen, the Jewish nation. And they had, had come to this conclusion themselves, hey, we're the seed of Abraham. 
We're God's elect people. We're, we're all going to heaven. We're, we're all basically good people. We, we know where the temple is. We go and we worship there every so often. And, and we go and make our sacrifices once a year. We're good people. God's going to allow us into His bosom, into heaven, because we're Abraham's descendants. And you got people even today that say, hey, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a good person. I go to church. My mom and daddy were Sunday school teachers. Daddy was a deacon. I've been in church all of my life, quote unquote. I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven. You know, surprisingly, when I go around and I ask people, "Do you uh, do you have? Are you a Christian?" The number one thing people say is, "Yeah, I've been a member at so and so church all my life." I didn't ask you if you were a member of a church. I didn't ask you any of that. I asked you if you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, well, you know, like I said, I've been a member of the church. I, look, you can. You can walk down this aisle and shake the pastor's hand. You can say a little prayer with the pastor and, and everybody at the end of the service can be so happy that you've joined the church and, be, and just come up and hug on you and everything and still die and go to a sinner's hell. Because you see, we have no way of knowing what you have determined within your heart. We have no way of knowing for sure if you've accepted Jesus into your life. We can tell you that's what you need to do. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to come before Him and express to Him that you are a sinner condemned by your deeds, by the things that you have done. You are are, uh, uh, a condemned individual determined to go to hell because of the fact that you have sinned and gone contrary to the will of God in your life. And there's nothing that you can do in your own power to rectify that. And that you've accepted Jesus Christ by faith and through His grace to give you salvation. You can say all the right words, you can say all the right things and still not have had a change within your heart. Jesus deals with that in this passage of Scripture. He says, look, the Jewish... The Jewish uh, uh, faith began with these people that were coming out of uh, a, a nation that had multiple gods and many gods that they worshipped. And, and they had this, this whole background of several hundred years of being amongst people who, who were not followers of the one true God. And, and they began to accept a lot of those uh, traditions and a lot of those faiths. You see that at Mount Sinai while Moses is at the top of the of mountain as he's in communion with God. And God is giving the Ten Commandments. Meanwhile, the people are part up like a, a, a Saturday night and they're down there and they're doing all kinds of heathenistic things and then they say, hey, Aaron, why don't you 
Moses isn't coming back. Why don't you uh, make for us a, an idol that we can worship? We, we've been away from Egypt for a little while and we hadn't worshipped any of the idols that they had back there. Maybe we need to, to do that right now. And so Aaron collected a lot of the gold earrings and the gold uh, bands that they had been given by the Egyptians. And he... he uh, Aaron said all he did was throw it into the fire and out came this this calf, this golden calf. But they formed this golden calf that they would worship and they sacrificed to it and they did all kinds of evil things. See, they were there in the very midst, in the very presence of God on Mount Sinai and yet they were out here worshiping a false god. You can, you can have a Christian family. You can have someone who is close to God and still be a heathen yourself. You can even go to worship and go to church on Sunday and still not have a saving grace of God applied to your life. God took those people and He shaped them and formed them into the people that, that they needed to be to be God's chosen people to carry the message of, of hope, the message of grace to a, a whole world by helping them to understand they had no hope of, of saving themselves in their own abilities. That was the, what the Ten Commandments was all about. It wasn't a set of rules to help them to know how they could live a perfect life. It was a set of rules to help them to understand, hey, I'm a sinner here. I'm a sinner there. I've done this and I've done that against God and, and I'm without hope. I need a Savior. I need some way of, of coming to the saving grace of God. And, and God told them, I'll, I'll extend to you that grace if you'll offer up a sacrifice and at the, the high price of the shedding of blood, I'll extend to you that grace for a time. And on a regular basis, they had to shed blood so that their sins and the iniquities of their heart would be covered. And then God said, I'm going to send you a perfect sacrifice in my Son. Jesus Christ came and walked on this earth, lived a perfect life so that He could be the sinless Lamb of God to go and to be sacrificed on my behalf and on your behalf, that He would be sacrificed on the cross so that the shed blood of, of His precious blood would cover us once and for all. But you see, we had to come to an understanding, a realization that there is no way that we could save ourselves. That we needed a Savior in Jesus Christ. And Jesus was trying to help them to understand there's a lot of people that are still there that have gone, uh, they've walked away from this faith, this Jewish understanding of, of being condemned by their sins and needing a Savior. And unfortunately today, Thousands of years later, we're still at that point where people have been shown the, the right path, the, the narrow way, the, the small gate that leads to salvation. They've been shown that one specific way in which we come to a saving grace and a knowledge of Jesus Christ, that small narrow path. It's hard to find. It's hard to, to, to enter into it. Because there's a lot of people that say, oh, well, there's many ways to God. 
The great Oprah has even told us that. She said, oh, there's, there's many different pathways to God and there's all these different ways and as long as you find yourself at God, with God, then you're okay. And she's led masses of people away from the understanding and knowing of who Jesus Christ is. And then there's others who live in, uh, and preach in glass houses and they, they sit there and they say, hey, listen, you need to understand that, that God's all about love and God's all about you feeling good about yourself and, and all about all these wonderful things about who you are and all you need to do is just really decide that you're really good and you're going to live a good life and, and you're going to live and you're, you're going to demand that you have a, a really great life. I can demand that all I want to and I'll still be a sinner headed to hell. Jesus said that the path to righteousness is narrow and it's difficult. It's a hard path. And many struggle to make it on that path. And in fact, there's many who find themselves being deceived. And he said there's going to be false prophets that will spring up. And they're going to come and they're going to try and lead you away. But they're like wolves in sheep's clothing. But you'll know them by the things they do. By the way they act. And the fruit they produce. He said, you don't go to a a fig tree and pull the figs out from thistles. You go to the fig tree where the figs are there. And you enjoy the wonderful figs. Or you go to the grapevine. You don't go and you you don't find a vine that has uh, thorns uh, on the vine and expect to find grapes. Because the vine's producing thorns, not grapes. No, you go to the vine that produces the grapes to find the grapes. He said, there's going to be many people who will come to me and they'll, they'll say, look, wasn't I good people? Wasn't I, didn't I stand in front of... <coughs> excuse me. Didn't I stand in front of thousands of people and appear on television and cast out demons and prayed over people that they would be healed and... And didn't I do all these miraculous things? And God will, Jesus says, God will look at him and say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. You can act a lot. You can act like you're a godly person. You can put on all kinds of vestments and robes, but still die a sinner headed to hell. Jesus said, a wise man will do the things that I've shared, and what the things that he's the teachings that he's talking about are the teachings found in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, "Every man that hears these things of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. The rock, the foundation, is Jesus Christ. The rock is the foundation of these teachings. The rock is is." a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My question for you today is what pathway are you on? Are you building your house on the rock, the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and the message that He has for us? Are you building your uh, house on, on sandy soil? What will happen to you when the storms come? When the end of life 
comes will your house stand strong because it's built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ? Or will it be torn apart and washed away because you've swallowed hook, line, and sinker all these teachings of the world that want to say, look, you're basically a good guy. You're a great person. You don't go out and do all those bad things. Sure, you take a, a, a drink from now and then. Sure, you, you take a little toke here and there, but you're basically a good guy. You, you might have a few little flaws, but who doesn't? That's the lie of the devil. Yes, we're sinners. But we find the forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We find the grace of God coming from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Who will you trust? Will you be on the narrow path that is... Jesus Christ that comes from the cross of Calvary? Or will you be on the broad path that leads to destruction? Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us today. Help us to remain on the narrow path. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's fraught with many dangers. Yes, there's many things that want to lead us away. But as long as we stay true, as long as we follow Your teaching, as long as we allow You and our relationship to You to guide us, we'll be led to eternal glory. Lord, I pray for the many who are on the wrong path they have gone through the wide gate. They're following along with the herd of people. And they don't know why they're going that way. They're just going that way because everybody else is. Lord, we pray that You'd help us to win some. To lead those individuals to Christ. And that will not be caught up in, their, in the things that they do. But we'll stay on the narrow path that leads to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.